Good morning, everyone. Welcome here. Today we'll be singing a few more hymns. And so please sing as loud as you can, as loud as you want to. So these should be familiar and easy to follow along. And um, the beauty of hymns is like the, I guess the famili- familiarity of them and lots of good lyrics that tell, tell the good story. So let's sing Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. before we read the call to worship. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the people that are around us and how you teach us so much through community and through conversations and actions of other people. And I pray that this week and today you would begin preparing us for the things that you want us to do and the interactions and conversations and um, just the ways that we can be an encouragement to the people around us and um, build your kingdom in this community, in this church, in our, um, in our schools, in our workplaces, 
and that your Holy Spirit would empower us to do all these things, um, even when we feel like we don't know what to do or we don't have the energy to do it. Um, so I pray that you would help us to to be your hands and feet in in McGregor and this community and this this province. Amen. Our call to worship this morning can be found in Psalm 78, verses 1 to 8. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide for them from our from their children, but tell to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So this next song is kind of the song of confession, and confession and repentance is a, a big part of, um, of what we believe we need to do to be closer to Jesus. And of course, we don't, we don't stay in that place. We move, we move ahead in forgiveness, but it's important to, um, to, to be in that place of, of really reflecting and, and seeing what, what sins in our own lives and our hearts and minds we need to repent of. So let's sing, Give Us Clean Hands. i 
right, this next song is new. Um, I want to go through the chorus with you. It's very simple. And then the verses just repeat the same line over and over. So I think that uh, we'll be able to catch on together. So sing the chorus after me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, let your kingdom come. Okay, let's do it together. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, let your kingdom come. One more time. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, let your kingdom come. Okay, so you already know half the song. Let's do it.
singing. Please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 22. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 22, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. 
and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? All right. Good to see you all this morning. How about we all bow together to dismiss children to Children's Church? Our God, we thank you for each and every one of the children in our congregation. We pray over their lives to come, you will be a blessing to them each and every day. We pray also, as they go to Children's Church now, that they will learn wonderful lessons about you and what you have done that will stay with them all of their lives and will be a blessing in themselves. And we pray also for the teacher. Please give them the words to speak, the perseverance to see it through, and for them to know how important what they're doing is. We also want to pray for the service. God, please bless it. Bless the words that they find us where our hearts are. In your name we pray. Amen. Children's Church uh, is in the back down the hall. All right, so if you have your bulletins on you, there is a number of things that are on there, uh, a couple even apart from what is listed. I'm going to actually start off with having Dawson give us an update on YFC from the back on a wireless mic. Yeah, I just wanted to give everyone here an update just on how 2021 went for YFC so that everybody's kind of well-informed and everybody kind of knows the same things rather than some people knowing more and some people knowing less. So, um, yeah, just a recap on how 2021 went for YFC. Uh, started off uh, with the later half of the 2020-2021 school year, um, and there was some difficulties with that um, because of lots of restrictions. And, oh, I'm getting the signal to turn myself up here, so. All right. Hopefully that's better. And, uh, yeah, there's lots of restrictions, so there's pretty limited um, accessibility to the schools. So our staff were pretty resourceful by connecting with youth online and through um, other programs as restrictions allowed. Um, in the winter and the spring, the hub was used for, as a place for students to work on schoolwork while there was uh, more restrictions at the school. And in the summer, uh, there was some regular drop-in that started and continued for, I think, most of the rest of the year. Um, the summer also presented opportunities to get outside, which was a blessing, and connect with youth in the communities. Cassie was able to spend time golfing with many youth uh, at the McGregor Golf Course, 
She also was at Valley View Bible Camp uh, with the day camps and running some drop-in at the hub. And Joel was busy hosting groups uh, at the paintball course that he has and uh, also working on uh, restoring motorcycles with a few youth from Gladstone. And he also managed to take some youth on a camping trip. Uh, and then as we rolled over into fall and started the school year, um, we were granted access to the schools again, which was a huge answer to prayer. Uh, and it's really obvious that kids need someone who they can talk to and uh, hear the gospel as well as mental health issues seem to be growing more common. And then in later fall slash early winter, we had our banquet, which was virtual. Thank you to everyone who um, participated in that and supported that. It was, I think, our most successful banquet we've ever had, which is pretty amazing for a virtual banquet. Um, over $22,000 was raised. So thank you very much to everyone who has supported us through prayer and financial giving as well. And I think that kind of sums up a recap. If you want to know more, uh, you can always come to myself. Um, we also have Emily Wright and Henry Duick who are on the board. And so if you have any questions, feel free to ask any of us. Thanks. Thanks, Dawson. The YFC does such wonderful things here in the community, so it's wonderful to hear this news. All right, uh, as far as other announcements, you will see that uh, up there at the top, quilting at the Sommerfeld Church, uh, January 18th, 19th, 25th, 26th at 9 a.m. So if you are a quilter at heart, then make sure to note that one. Uh, there is going to be an EMC missions prayer meeting on February 1st at 7 p.m. via Zoom. Uh, you can register for that at the EMC office, like by contacting them, or on the EMC website, which is emconference.ca. Uh, we are looking for somebody for uh, a couple people for the Sledding Hill on March 4th the 6th. I had the wonderful privilege of doing it yesterday, and although the wind really cuts to your bone, at the same time, it was a really good time, and so I highly recommend it if you've never done it before. Um, if you're interested in joining a small group, contact Dakota Gunther, otherwise uh, get in touch with me and I can point you in the right direction for doing that. And Henry and Janae, uh, they will not be having a uh, baby shower for the time being, unfortunately, because of how COVID is going, but at the same time, they have a little one and they need gifts, uh, baby shower gifts, so they can... Uh, not have to know what they have to purchase and that otherwise. So we're going to be collecting gifts for them. Uh, on the back, you'll see that there is one of those little wheelie stands that normally there's a TV on. Uh, I would ask for the next three Sundays until January 30th, uh, bring a gift for them. Uh, put a card with it, say, congratulations for the birth of little baby Remington. We are so excited for you on that. I'm sure that they would be very appreciative. Uh, apart from that, uh, communion. If you were wondering why there wasn't communion last week, it's because those little individual elements, we have to buy them from somewhere, and I thought we had a lot more of them than we did. So we have an order. They are on their way. Uh, we will have communion when they get here, so keep an eye out for that. Apart from that, prayer meeting at the church Wednesday at 7 p.m., uh, 
Youth will be at the church on Wednesday, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m., and the worship service again next Sunday. Those are the announcements, unless there is something more. As far as prayer items go, nursery school is going to be beginning uh, this coming Tuesday, and so we want to keep them in our prayers as they start gathering again. I know that not only is Noel very much so looking forward to it, oh, Shannon is as well. So nursery school starts this coming week. Uh, students and teachers are also back to it in-person uh, classes this coming week. We want to keep them in our prayers as well, and also our healthcare workers as their workload continues to be absolutely bonkers. And so we want to keep them in our prayers as well. And so with all those things said, please bow with me now in a time of prayer. Our God, we come before you this morning with a number of people in our hearts. First off, we want to say a word of praise as far as Andy Bergen. Last week at this time when we were praying for him, we were very scared. And so God, we thank you so much that it looks like he's on the mend. God, we pray that he continues to get better. We pray that the lasting impacts are kept to a minimum. Lord, we pray also for Teresa and the kids and the grandkids as they surely were in for quite a scare this past week. God, we thank you for being their rock and comfort, and we pray that you stick with them for a little bit longer until he can be home healthy and safe again. And God, while we are on the topic of praising you, we also want to praise you that Michelle Bartel is going in for chemo tomorrow. That's a good sign. And so, God, we pray that the chemo is successful. After the radiation that she went through over the past couple weeks, God, we pray that that is successful as well. We pray that it drives the cancer into remission. God, when we think about Michelle, our hearts are tied in knots. And so, God, we pray, please heal her. And God, we also want to pray for John Ginter. It is hard for us to hear the news that he has passed. And so, God, we thank you for the life that he has lived. We thank you for the pillar he has been to those that knew him. And we pray, God, we pray be with his family, be with his friends, be, just be, make yourself known. And God, as we look also to our other the rest of the community. God, we pray for the nursery school as they are beginning. Lord, we thank you for what they do here in McGregor. We thank you for the children that they care for. We thank you for the friendships that are made there. We thank you, we thank you for all that they do. And so God, we pray as they start up again that it will be a good next couple months. That the disease will keep itself at bay and that it'll just be fun. Of this we pray for them. And then also when we look to the schools larger, we want to pray for the teachers and we want to pray for the students as they get back to it. God, there has been so much uncertainty, so much wondering what is going to happen over the last couple weeks. 
And so now that they're back at it, God, we pray that all of that uncertainty goes. We pray that the rest of this semester will be one where lots of things are learned, even though there isn't too much left before exams start. We pray that the one that is to come will teach things that will be with the students all their lives. And God, we pray that you will be strength with the teachers as they teach it. And God, we also want to pray for our healthcare workers. As Omicron continues to search and the emergency rooms continue to be full, drawing resources from everywhere else, God, we know the pits of who we are, just how hard this has been for them. And so, God, we pray for the healthcare workers. God, we pray that they can continue this sprint that they have been in for so long now. And God, we pray that in whatever way they need it, relief comes. And we pray that the cases go down as well. Lord, all of these things we bring before you this morning. We thank you for the things that rest in our hearts as praise, and we put the things that weigh on us heavily before you. God, in your name we pray. Amen. Um, as we have been at our series of focusing on Jesus, uh, last week we looked at the temptation. We are continuing on with the story right after it today. And there we read in Luke 4, what is it? Luke 4, 14 to 22, that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside, and he was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. This passage starts immediately after Jesus' baptism that we talked about last week, and also the temptation. And in the baptism... As you can remember, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jesus, and from heaven we read that God said then that, this is my Son. Then the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to fast, to spend time with God. That's what fasting is all about, spending time with God. And during that time, the devil tempted our Lord in all the ways that human beings can be tempted. But Jesus held strong, and so we can know that we can hold strong as well. And as our passage begins today, we read that once again, the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, has Jesus on the move. And so, with the wilderness left behind him, Jesus gets up and he starts to travel. He becomes an itinerant preacher. That is a hard lifestyle. I did that for a little bit. It is a rewarding, but it is a very hard thing to do. Town to town, all through the region of Galilee, we read Jesus went. And as he enters into a new place, we read that he would do the same thing. He would speak in the local synagogue, the local house of God. And that is a detail that we should not miss because what we can draw from that is that what Jesus preached on, the words that he had to say, they, they weren't something that would have been fully out of place there. What he was saying was not a part of what the scriptures taught, but were instead, you're going to see in just a bit, but this was Jesus' life during this time. He was led by the Spirit town to town through Galilee, preaching the word in the houses of God, causing the people to marvel, we read, at what the Son of our Lord had to say. For how long? We are not told that he did this by Luke. 
But then one day, the Spirit led Jesus to a new town, a town that Jesus actually knew very well. And its name was Nazareth. And it was his childhood home, the town that he was raised in. He had been away from it for a very long while at this point, long enough that his absence certainly would have been noticed. And there we read that once again on the Sabbath, he entered the local synagogue to speak. Next, the passage reads that Jesus stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. We'll come to what is written in just a bit, but that Luke tells us this, like this, that he stood up, a scroll was handed to him, unrolling it, he found where he was. That Jesus simply got up and the scroll was handed to him, that likely hints that the chances are that Jesus has actually read in this synagogue before. And that makes sense. After all, Jesus can read, which was not a given in that day and age. Literacy rates very low. And as we are told, Jesus finds the passage that he is searching for. He's clearly reading. He's not just reciting this from memory. We also know from the story of the boy Jesus in the temple in Luke 2 that the scriptures are something that Jesus has spent a lot of time with over the years, something that we also saw last week when we looked at the temptation as well. Jesus knows the word, and he knows it well, meaning that he has spent time in it. And as scrolls are expensive to make, this synagogue likely was some of the very few copies of the Isaiah scroll that were in Nazareth, so that Jesus would have done this same thing before, possibly many times, reading the word of God before those neighbors and distant family members who would have known him since he was a child. That can be in how you picture this scene. Far from expecting something extraordinary, the people gathered there would have expected something they likely would have experienced many times before. And then, Jesus speaks. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, he reads, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus stops reading. And I picture that slowly the mouths of those that were listening to our Lord, who had known him all of his life, I picture they begin to drop to the floor at what was just said. As a pastor, let me tell you that what Jesus chooses to read here, it's a brilliant use of scripture. Really, we should expect nothing less from the Son of God. Because what Jesus reads here, it isn't actually one passage. Instead, he's melding two of them. The first is Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 2, and the second is Isaiah 58, verse 6. Both these passages, they say very, very similar things. But who Jesus, who God is talking to in both of them is different, and it changes the meaning quite a bit in the Isaiah passages. In Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 2, 
in that passage, Jesus is following that one much more completely. It is a passage that is meant as a comfort for those that are desperately in need of comfort. The gist of what it is saying is something like for you that are poor, for you in chains, for you who are blind, for you who are oppressed, the Lord has not forgotten you. Soon he will build you up, soon he will free you, soon he will give you sight, for it is you that the Lord cares for the most. And soon will come the time of the Lord, and in it, you who are low now will be exalted. It's a passage of comfort from our God speaking to those in desperate need of comfort. And as a people who were under the thumb of the Roman Empire, who knew oppression, who knew pain and knew poverty, it is a passage that quite possibly many of the people in, that Jesus was speaking to would have known well. It's possible even that Jesus would have read this passage to them before. But then Jesus weaves in verse 6 of Isaiah 58. And while that verse says very similar things, that God will be with the poor, he will be with those in chains, in this passage, God is no longer talking words of comfort to the people that he will one day see risen up. Instead, in that chapter, he is addressing those that are the cause of the problem in the first place. He's addressing those that are making the poor poor. He is addressing those that are putting the oppressed in chains. Those who are causing suffering to the blind and toil to the laborers for no reason other than their own betterment. For those people, though the words are almost completely the same, chapter 58 says instead that the time of God is coming. But for you who are keeping the people that I love down, far from that time being a time of comfort, it will be your reckoning when it arrives. In effect, Jesus is leveling a threat at the same people that have known him since he was a child by weaving that verse in. And then Jesus finishes reading. He rolls up the scroll and he gives it back to the attendant and he sits down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue is just fastened on him. He begins by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. And then a couple verses after this passage is done, a number of those same people run him out of town with an intent to murder him. This passage is the first mention from Jesus in the book of Luke of what is going to form the backbone of much of what he is going to teach us over his ministry. But this is the first mention from our Lord of what is going to soon be called the coming kingdom of heaven. And this reaction to it, some positively overwhelmed, it's a wonderful thing, and others ready to kill him. That's not going to be an uncommon reaction to this good news. 
The coming kingdom of heaven is what Jesus calls the coming time of the Lord that will, like the passages from Isaiah, Jesus read, says, see the social order thrown on its head, that will see the poor risen up, that will see the persecuted set free, that will see salvation brought to those who are now damned, will see health brought to those who are sick, will see death done away with, that will see sin washed clean. It is a time that is yet to come that will see our God take his rightful place on the throne over all of creation. And when he does, there will be no more tears. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more pain. All the wrongs that there are right now will be made right and the pollution that chokes the world will be cleared away and things will be better than they were when they were made perfect to begin with. It is in the arrival of the Son of God, Jesus tells us, in his arrival, that finally the ball has begun to roll that will see this kingdom come. And as his followers, and as the church that proclaims the good news of our Lord to help build this coming kingdom in our world is the major part of what we are tasked to do. This is what we inevitably do when we follow Christ and the Holy Spirit as we are led. This passage is very important because it is the first time in the Gospels that it is laid down explicitly that this is what Christ will bring. This is what we can hope for. We say that our hope is found in Jesus Christ in part. What that hope is is that with him we know that this kingdom will come. The kingdom of heaven will one day arrive. And because it will come, we can also know that what we do to help build this kingdom will in the end be worth something, will in the end contribute to the whole. To follow Christ is to have hope that things will get better no matter how bad they are now, that things are worth fighting for, worth believing in, because this will be what one day will be. And there is comfort in that. Because that Christ is doing this, you can know that things will, for you who need it most, one day be better than you would have ever thought possible before. Things will be one day simply glorious. You can read what it'll look like more explicitly at the end of the book of Revelation. That you have hope that Christ is who he says he is means that you have hope that this day will come. But we should also note from our passage today that Jesus points something else out for us as well. Something else about the coming kingdom of heaven. He points out that it is not actually good news for everyone that it is on its way. 
Brothers and sisters, I ask you now, like Jesus' readings from Isaiah would have begged the question to all those that have known him all of his life, all those years ago, when you hear Christ in this passage say that he has come for the poor, that he has come for the oppressed, the blind and the prisoners, to lift them from their misery, to break their chains, to set them free, to bring them new sight. When you hear Jesus proclaim this, I ask you, do you truly hear something wonderful in that? Something that you cannot wait to see, something that you need either because the world is with all its weight bearing down on you or because with all that you are, you care for those on whom it does or like those who sought to chase Jesus, the one that they had known for a long time to his death. Do you instead hear these words as a threat? Because make no mistake, the coming kingdom of heaven is both, and it is vastly different depending on who you are. It will be the glorious age that will see the wrong set right, that will see our Lord on his throne in full glory, showering his love on all of those for whom life has been misery. But it will also be a time that sees those who made the poor, poor, reckoned with. If you were the cause of the unjust chains around the necks of the oppressed, if you were the cause of blindness and disease to the people our Lord has declared himself for, or if you were simply indifferent, only caring for yourself, then the good news of the coming kingdom of heaven, it is not good news for you. And so we come to my assignment today. And it is to begin to change how you live your life so that the good news found in the coming kingdom that Jesus prophesies in our passage today becomes that for you. Good news. This assignment is a three-parter. To begin this week, spend a bit more time in our past assignment, reading your Bibles, reading the Gospels, and in prayer. Really seek to get a stronger handle on who Jesus is for and what he is opposed to. Sermon on the Mount, that's a good place to start. Matthew 5. It is not a coincidence that the Beatitudes sound very familiar to what Jesus says in our passage today. Repent of the sins that you know that hold you down, that hold you against God, that hold you against the world and everyone else. And then once you have done that, I want you to next, in prayerful reflection, ask God to help you take stock of your life when it comes to how on board you truly are with the coming kingdom our Lord asks us to help him build. Ask yourself, 
How does how I choose to live show the love of Christ to those who need it most? Ask yourself, are you generous? Are you compassionate? Are you loving? Are you caring? Are you mindful of the lives of others? Does the plight of other people impact how you spend your money, where you spend your money, who you give to? Does it factor into who you should decide to vote for? Are there parts of your life you think of as off limits to your faith, as different realms? How closely do you hold on to your time? Do you think of people outside your circle of friends as people as complex and as wonderful as you are or as caricatures, inhuman? Do you act in a way that shows that you care for the health and the well-being of others? Or are you instead more focused on yourself? What all these questions are trying to get at is ask yourself, how does what you do impact the poor, the imprisoned, the oppressed, the sick, and the blind? The people our Lord has told us the coming kingdom will see risen up. In prayer, ask yourself these questions and others like them because how you answer these questions, it says a lot about how willing you are to help build the coming kingdom our Lord will bring. Do this task honestly. And I virtually guarantee you that you're going to come up with places in your life that you will find yourself at odds with the coming kingdom Christ has come to usher in, or at least I sure did. That doesn't mean that you're a terrible human being. That doesn't mean that you are the scum of the earth. It just means that you are living in a fallen world. And you need Christ's help to change into the kind of person that can, with his help, make that fallen world better. Which brings us to the third part of the assignment today. Once you have taken stock, again in prayer, I want you to pick just one thing that you know is a problem in your life. Just one thing that you know is squarely at odds with the kingdom our Lord wants us to build. And come up with something small that you can do to begin to help move that part of your life more in line with what Christ preaches. Here my suggestion from experience would be to make the thing you choose to take on as actionable and as close to home as possible. Often when we look at the places in our lives that we feel need to change, it can seem so dauntingly huge a problem that we don't even know where to start. But I'll tell you where to start. You start small. You start with something little that is easy to do. And then you keep on with that in a while until you have it down. And then, and only then, you add on to it. Then it's not overwhelming then it's not hard to start. But go through that enough times, add on enough times, and you will see how through you God can build his kingdom. These three parts are my assignment for this week. Spend time in repentance and in the word. Then in prayer, identify the places in your life 
that you have at odds with the coming kingdom of heaven that Jesus has come to build. And then begin to make small changes in your life tiny enough that you can stick with them. Address one thing that needs addressing at a time. When it comes to our God, where you are heading matters a lot more than where you are. So expect him to help you in this if you only ask. And as you continue building your relationship with Jesus over the months to come, you're gonna find this easier as well. These changes are possible. After all, the people that God threatened in Isaiah 58 turned into the same people that he comforted in 61. The change is possible. As we look at Jesus in our passage today, we learn that the kingdom of heaven our Lord has come to bring is two things. It's both a blessing and a hope unlike anything that we have known. But for those who live life at odds with those that our Lord will see risen up, it's also an undeniable threat. So let's this week with Christ's help and the Spirit's guidance begin to work on our lives to make sure that we see the hope found in this blessing one day soon. Thank you for that challenge and encouragement, Pastor Russell. Let's sing It Is Well With My Soul together.
today's benediction, we turn to the book of Numbers. May God bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his face and bring you peace. Go now and serve our God. 